2: Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler 24
0: 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
1: Sex trying to get loose. He'll fire. He, he knocks it down. Borrow slammed, slammed it home. Scarlet upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine! A thunderous dunk! And Allen blocked the
2: Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Marone. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now, live via Zoom, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing,
1: buddy? Been doing good. Hung drywall. All afternoon, uh, helping my brother finish his basement, so I got I got tired hands and but a, but a really active mind because that's not exactly the most thrilling uh, activity. So I'm ready. I'm excited to talk calves. That, that, that's a cool brag, Carter. Uh, I'm excited to talk calves too, and we get to talk
2: calves today with friend of the podcast, Kelsey Russo of the Athletic. Kelsey, welcome
1: back to the podcast. How you doing?
0: Hi guys, I'm good. Thanks for having me on again.
1: A We're- rare member of the three timer club. Not that many people are (laughs) three-timers. Exactly. (laughs) That's very distinguished air. Distinguished air. Should we get get blazers like they do on SNL for the five-timers? You know,
2: that's a good idea, but at the same time, we are operating on a limited budget, Carter, and I'm hoping to keep this podcast going for a while. I, I can't have this be, you know, just... We're gonna the get longer drowned we in run, The more there's gonna be. We might have to put a higher standard for the
1: Blazers, is what I'm really <laughs> getting to. That's fine. Kelsey will get there sooner rather than later if we said it like five or ten or something like that. It's just a matter okay. of it's just a matter of time, really. That's true. Might be the
0: first one.
1: (laughs) And while we're on the subject of accolades, I think we should
2: start with Evan Mobley because the Cavs got back-to-back massive wins over the Denver Nuggets and Detroit Pistons, real trap game potential with the Pistons. Uh, I was a little bit concerned going in, you know, three games and four nights, uh, playing a lot of minutes in in a big, gutty overtime win against the Denver Nuggets. And in back-to-back games, Evan Mobley made massive plays on both ends of the floor to help see those victories Kelsey How has your opinion of Mobley evolved all year long because you've been covering them as closely as anybody you've been doing the fantastic Mobley Mondays uh, columns uh, at the athletic how how has that opinion evolved as the season has gone on
0: yeah um, I don't know if it's totally evolved a ton it's but it's grown you know like Mm. when I when I watched um, like uh, film for the draft you know and I kind of was studying him and sort of looking at his game. I was really impressed early on with just the way that he, you know, could protect the paint, protect the rim and just how effective he was down there. Um so then when they drafted him and I saw him at Summer League, you know, like obviously like Summer League is so early and 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 you're getting adjusted, but I saw those elements that I really noticed um on film when I was and and people I talked to um in the pre-draft process. Then throughout the season, you know, he comes in and he's so effective and has like such an immediate impact from the first game. Like he never had like a, that transition to the NBA, really. He's never hit a rookie wall per se in the sense of like, it's like super big slump. Um, so it's kind of just like grown in this, like, I've just been impressed the whole season, which is funny. Um, I'm just like, I was kind of what well, curious if it would change. Um, but he just kind of every time, every game I'm like, this kid did something different that I'm like okay that's new like and it just like is always impressive of just the way that he can read the game and understand like what is necessary to be done um, in order to win you know like and that's kind of like something JB has talked about a lot of just that Evan finds ways and he figures out the way to impact winning to help the Cavs win games like that's all he wants to do and you know sometimes that's on the defensive end, sometimes that's, you know, the block, the rebound, the, like the, a steal, you know, on the offensive end, that's, you know, sometimes finding that pass um, or, he, you know, he works his like works the post and gets to the, the basket. Like it kind of just depends on what is necessary and he's has that, like that understanding to do that. So I, that's been most impressive to me, honestly, and grown over the season of how he just by game can figure out what is what has to be done in order to win um or you know help the Cavs in that process.
1: And he and what continues to kind of blow me away is that he does play with an edge. Um yeah. despite being a really soft spoken guy. What are you kind of seeing, you know, obviously you're you're much closer to the to the these games than than we are, just in terms of like the way, you know, the 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 kind of conflict between his very, very quiet um, you know, kind of day to day personality versus what you see on the court.
0: Yeah, actually, so it's kind of funny because we, we joke about this. He's so even keeled, you know, like very like that's just his personality. And that's that's totally, totally cool. But on the court and like when he gets called for fouls, like that's when you see him like throws his hands up or he like <laughs> talks a little bit. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Like that's a little bit of, you know, a little bit there. Um, but I think a lot of it like, you know, it's it's more so just kind of like the the emotions of the game, really. But um, even so on the court, though, like he he holds that even keeled nature of like just how he plays like he doesn't really get sped up very often like he, he just plays with this like I keep saying yes like, yeah Our exactly days. yeah he understands like how to stay like very calm and collected throughout the game like no matter you know if they're winning and they have a huge lead if they're down you know 15 points whatever like he just kind of plays the same with the same manner and I think that's that's really been interesting to see.
2: It's almost similar to to Jokic because that that was one thing when I, I was watching the Nuggets. Like, it is incredible how good that guy is. Like every single trip down the floor, it feels like he's making the right decision. Like, and it, if you it, didn't
1: know it, just listen to Austin Carr and
2: Brad Darty. Oh my <laughs> god, they, they they were just they, gushing. they were fawning.
1: <laughs> they they were
2: gushing all over Jokic, just making the right decision every time, and. W- the assertiveness from Mobley is what really surprises me. Like, I, I was so high on him. But then to have that moment against the Nuggets where Boogie Cousins puts his shoulder into him, gets the and one, starts talking to him, talk, telling him that he's too small. Next trip down the court, Mobley just kind of rips it right by him, dunks on him, and is talking right back. And that kind of, like, awoke him, right? That that was the, the start of the Cavs comeback run. And to get, like, it's those glimpses that excite me so much because as he gains more confidence, as he gains more strength, as he kind of hones his skills and develops further, you want to see, okay, what are those paths? Where, where is he going to transition as an offensive player? And I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of where you see him growing. Maybe it's been indicated to you by the team or where you see that offensive evolution coming for Evan Mobley.
0: Yeah, I think, um, a lot of, we've honestly kind of seen a little bit of like that increase in his, um, like uh, taking those mid-range jumpers, you know, kind of there. And then honestly, too, like something I talked to um, assistant coach Greg Buckner back like in the beginning of the season was his three-point shooting um, because, because like, he was such a high pick. They think that it's something that they can develop, you know, and, and it it's going to take some time, but they think that he has the ability and has the range to take those shots, especially at the four, you know, that he's playing there mm-hmm. more now when Jared's healthy, Um so that's been something that's like kind of just to 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 increase his you know shot selection really and and be able to shoot those those threes. Um, obviously, you know we've seen them a couple times, and so you know couple of them gone in, couple of them have not gone in. You know, so it's sort of not like, been
1: not been so many going in lately. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, which is like that's fine, but I think it's I think some of it now too is like just being comfortable taking them in game. You know, like seeing seeing that that's the shot that's available and having the confidence to take it. Um, I think that's something that, like, over time is going to grow. You know, like, I didn't think it was something that was going to be uh, this season. But, you know, maybe maybe next year, maybe his third year, et cetera. Um, and I think, like, I also think I noticed, you know, recently, like, honestly, some more post-ups. And I don't know if that's really more so because, like, Jared's been, you know, been out. But I feel like he's, like, done really well of, like, posting up and then, like, that, like, turnaround, like, hook shot or just, like, getting into the basket. Like, he's just really been good at figuring out those, those like spin moves and he like gets, you know, gets to the rim. So um, I think it's just kind of really finding those places on the floor um, in the different positions, you know, when he's at the four, how he kind of him, when him and Jared are out there versus, you know, when he's at the five and it's just him, like what kind of changes um, to find that offensive, like just find his spots on the floor, if that makes sense.
1: (laughs) It totally does. And you know, what's interesting about him is I feel like normally with big men, that are flashing, you know, one particular skill set, like us as the basketball, you know, commentators tend to like push them into doing the one thing, you know, with AD, mm-hmm. it's always, Hey, you need to roll hard and finish, like so stop all the, all the turnaround, all the mid Rangers. And like, it's funny with Evan. I just think he has room to grow literally everywhere. Um, I think he, he has so much room to grow as a screener and a hard roller, like, because, frankly, he doesn't make contact on most of his screens still. Um, <laughs> yeah. his, his face-up game, like, he's he's still working on that jumper, and you can kind of mm-hmm. see the mechanics in, in, in play, both in mid-range and from three. His post-game is developing rapidly, whether he's being guarded by bigger, slower guys like Boogie or Jokic, or, you know, being guarded by smaller forwards at the four. And I just feel like he can get... better at all of it. And like, that's ridiculous because he's already a pretty useful offensive player. Way to pick a side, Carter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking the side that he's going to get better at all of it that's I, I my de- side
2: I definitely agree and, and listening to uh, Kelsey what you were saying about how they want to see the three point shot uh, evolve and all that like to me the the growth and, and the area for growth really seems to be the face up game because mm-hmm. if he adds all these different elements as he's kind of facing up to the basket if he's a threat to shoot, if he's a threat to get by you, we know he has great vision as a passer, Like I, I just feel it unlocked so much and i'm excited to see like with jared allen getting back in, in the mix uh he's going to have time both at the four and the five uh i, I think this experience really being assertive um and, and attacking guys he's going to be able to do that on smaller fours he, he's going to uh kind of learn from the experience playing at the five and, and be aggressive in those spots i'm i'm interested to see how that el- evolution continues as this team gets healthier
0: 100 yeah i Totally agree. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, these minutes at the five really are all, it's all just a positive, you know, in his growth of, of being able to see guys that are, are bigger, the physicality aspect, um, that's just going to help him grow like this year, next year, and just kind of like through his, uh, you know, through his career.
1: Mm-hmm. I do think. I, I feel like I also learned a little bit of something, which is very rare for me to learn anything. But I do think I, I, I learned something during this stretch, which is he still is much better defensively at the four. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not, and sure, you can point to the obvious stuff, like, you know, uh, Zizic just kind of, uh, not uh, not Zizic, <laughs> Cavalier alert. Um, Gosh, who's the big Clippers center? Zubac. I'm blanking us Zubac. Sorry, um uh putting him in the basket on a few plays. Um, but it's also like you can tell he'd really much rather play free safety yeah. than than be the kind of guy who has to hang around the rim and snuff out every individual action, like in the you know, in the form of a Rudy Gobert. He almost he almost likes the ability to freelance a little bit. And we saw JB do that down the stretch uh against both Denver and Philly, where they had uh Marketing Guarding um, Embiid and marketing guarding Jokic, which <laughs> thanks Lowry. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> thanks for your thanks for your effort. I know you had to chase around <laughs> LeBron James earlier in the year, but here's here's Jokic and Embiid. <laughs> Poor guy can't buy a good matchup, <laughs> right? But like, I feel like that was JB kind of acknowledging, like, hey, we actually still want you to play the four on defense, even if Jared isn't out there. Did 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 JP talk at all about that about the decision to put Lowry on those big guys down the stretch?
0: Um, not a ton. Um, some of it obviously was like based on matchups, um, and just kind of just what they saw, like, um, what they, yeah, what they saw out there and kind of going into games, but nothing like specifically just kind of seeing that Lowry obviously has that potential to play at the five and can sort of take that, some of that burden, I guess, off of Evan to always, you know, in this stretch, always be at the five and, and kind of taking, taking on those bigger guys. So I think more so some of it was to sort of just kind of help balance it out a little bit more so than, than anything.
2: Yeah. Sure. Which makes a lot of sense. Like that's, it's why the Warriors didn't play all the time with Draymond at the five, right? Like I, I just really, I love what Mobley can do at the four. And I, I think like anything, there's a mix of staggering them to uh, both together and apart. Like there's different things that he's going to be able to do. And when you have two bigs that are so unique, that they're so mobile, we've seen Jared Allen switch on to Damian Lillard and, and get a game winning stop in those situations. And we've seen Mobley uh, lock up Trey young and, and all these guards. Like, there's just so much versatility on the defensive end of the floor, especially when you also have someone like Isaac Okoro that it's exciting. Like the, yeah. the, the play where Mobley scored uh, in the last two minutes against Detroit and then ripped the ball from Jeremy Grant in transition against Detroit. Like that, that's the type of stuff that gets me so excited. And I, I wonder if you've had this issue because I had this issue with LeBron where I felt it was so difficult to do analysis. Cause like any analysis that I would do just felt like I'm sounding like a lunatic fan. And every time I try to come up with comparisons for Mobley, it's like, oh, yeah, Kevin Garnett, Chris Bosh, like, you know, a little Tim Duncan there. Um, it, everything feels like hyperbole. Ha- have you experienced that while, while you're doing your Mobley Monday uh, column, which uh, there's a new, new one dropping tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken?
0: Yes, yes there is. Um, and yes, I have, because especially because like, as you know, in my role, the goal is to be, you know, objective, looking at all the sides and kind of, and, and, and creating like a fair analysis. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't have anything bad to say. Like, (laughs) you know, not that I have to have anything bad to say, but you know what I mean? Like where I'm just like, it's just been, he's just been so impressive. And, and yeah, like, I mean, you know, I've talked to people and they have made the comparison uh, for Kevin Garnett. And I'm just like, Whoa, but then you like you go and you look at it and you're like, Okay, yeah, I see it. Like I can see little little details, little aspects that that are really similar. And um but yeah, sometimes I'm like when I like write my Mobley Mondays I'm like, I don't it's all good. This like, so just so <laughs> glowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is just funny. I'm like, Well, it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of comical. Sometimes I'm like, Well, this is pretty positive, but like that's a good thing, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it's just one of those things where like even on his like, you know, like going 6 of 12 for 12 points and 6 assists. Like that's a perfectly good game against against Detroit. I mean, I only had I think yeah, he had 11 boards, so like 12 11 and 6 with four turnovers. Not not the craziest game in the world, and you could point to four or five plays that he made in the fourth quarter that changed the game. Yeah. Right. So it's it's just so hard to um even like uh, I think someone in, in, in the YouTube chat in the last episode actually said they felt like I was picking on him. I'm like, no, I'm not. He just has, you know, he he has, like, it's just so funny that when you see the stuff that's not there yet for him, when it, when it gets there, it's just going to be ridiculous because he's already so impactful now, even on what looks like on a box score scan and off night.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, like, the thing is, like, sometimes I, like, I really try to not always focus on like the box scores because, right? Like sometimes you can look at a box score and you're like, "Well, that wasn't like that good of a game." But like, he has just that ability to like to find the ways to impact the game. I feel like I sound like a coach. It sound like <laughs> JB stuff a little bit sometimes. But like, you choosing, you, like, to, you, you listen to, to, him
1: to yeah back you to back. You got to lose nights. your voice way, way, yeah. Way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You> <laughs> were, way more. Way more. Listen to JB back
2: to back nights. So that and that's you probably why. It's him back in. the game. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Poor <laughs> you know, he makes those, those certain plays that just, that really can change the game. And yeah, even if it's technically off night in the box score, like he's, you know, his plus minus is like plus whatever, you know, like he's always like, he has just such an impact um whenever he's out on the floor. Um, and it, you know, it's not always going to be in like, you know, points or, you know, even rebounds, honestly, sometimes. So I think like, and that's like, I have to remind myself of that sometimes of just make paying attention to like certain plays and not necessarily like always looking at just a box score.
2: Well, um, unlike you, I don't have to be objective. So I, I can <laughs> say that focusing on the box score is how someone thinks that there is still a conversation for rookie of the year, because as good as Evan, uh, as good as Scotty Barnes has been, as good as Kate Cunningham has been, um you, you know, Josh yiddy has been terrific as well. Some of those guys would have a real case to win a rookie of the year in other years. But the fact that the, the box score stats between Scotty and Mobley are so similar doesn't take into account that he's probably going to make an all-defensive team or just miss the cut. Like, he is not just good at defense for a rookie. He is legitimately good. And it's just been so incredible to see a team this young kind of make their signature and their identity be the defensive end of the floor like it, what Isaac Okoro can do what Jared Allen could do Evan Mobley and then even guys like Lamar Stevens is still 24 years old and, and he's going out there making an impact Dean Wade makes an impact it's just I I, I guess that the credit has to go to the coaching staff but also just you know the the scouting and, and uh mm-hmm. just the the player evaluation to to bring in guys that are this ready this early on has really stood out to me
0: yeah, and I think it's a lot of it too. You know, it's understanding understanding the talent that they have. You know, like they came into this year like they wanted. Like the, the idea was to have this defensive identity. You know, because of who they had on the floor, and like you said, like you named all those guys: Isaac Okoro, Lamar Stevens, like Jarrett, Evan, like all those guys. Even you know, honestly, you can throw Lowry in there too. Being able to, so they can play that big lineup. You know, like yeah. they, because Lowry can guard smaller guys. Now you leave um, Jared and Evan down in the paint, you know, and it sort of just creates that, that wall. Um, but yeah, but like it's an understanding of like who they have on the roster and then like, okay, so we have these guys that are really like, that are talented defensively. We can be a defensive identity or our identity can be defensive, like on the defensive end of the floor. And, and like, and they have all run with that. And I think that's been like really crucial, honestly, for them is like understanding who they are, you know, and understanding their strengths, and how they can, you know, use that to win games and and you know be successful.
1: One of one of the linchpins for that uh, for that identity is Isaac, mm-hmm. and you know it's always kind of been kind of at the expense of the offense of the spacing, and he's kind of been on an up uptick like lately. He's shooting. Justin, what was it, 40% from three in the last 35 games? 36 games, yeah. 36 games, he's up over 40%, obviously on very low volume. What are you kind of seeing in Isaac's game lately? Because he is all of a sudden, you know, much less of a liability, and that's kind of a game changer for him as a player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it was like finding finding his spots on the floor and finding like where he was comfortable in, in this offense, you know, and I talked to him back in, honestly, I think it was December um, when he was like kind of like starting, this like was, this was starting. He was hitting those corner threes. There was that Minnesota game where he had like multiple um, corner threes. He like cut to the basket um, and all this, like in out in transition. And like, I think it was a lot of just understanding like where his strengths lie and how to use those, you know, like he's really good in transition, you know, getting to the basket and, and getting that, you know, dunk or that layup or, um, or, you know, finding those, sitting in those corners and just waiting for the ball to pass to him. And then like, then, like, then making that three. And so I think it was just sort of a, like an understanding and a, and a comfort factor of that and then, and a confidence thing, you know, of, of taking those threes consistently. And, you know, the, the coaching staff his teammates being behind him and, and being like, yes, take those corner threes. Like we want you to take those threes. Um, And, you know, it's kind of, it's just sort of built up over time, but I, I started noticing it like a little bit back back in December and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of had to float obviously, but, but not, like you said, those last 36 games is like, really, he's really ticked up. And I think that's really crucial because yeah, like, I mean, when, you know, when he got drafted, um we always we talked so much about his defense and like that's who he is and that's what he prides himself in like he's a defensive minded guy and that's what they needed but in order for this to to continue to be successful and be kind of be like well-rounded the offensive side had to come and like yes he wasn't going to be like didn't have to be like a 25 plus you know point guy a night kind of thing but he had to be able to in his spots um score you know and in whatever way was necessary whether that was cutting to the basket whether that's those corner threes etc getting out in transition um those kind of ways and just sort of feeling comfortable to be able to do so
2: yeah it's funny because i i remember with the pre-jack uh process i i think it was mike schmitz that had him third overall on the big board and the thing was he's going to be ready to defend right away and then the I I think the analysis was in four years, I think the offense is going to start to catch up where, you know, that, that driving kick game is really going to start to show itself and you'll see the offense come around. And it's funny, you, you go to the NBA and all of a sudden it's, you haven't shown that in the first year, it's never going to come. Even though there was a confidence that, Hey, I think, you know, give him like three, four years, uh, he'll be 24 years old. You'll start to see that development especially when the team starts playing really well and the expectations get raised it's okay we want you to speed up your development as well and I I thought it was really telling to see that in the crunch time up three points against Detroit that they run a play with Garland and Okoro on the strong side corner and as soon as that helps sags off of Okoro Garland passes to Okoro he takes and makes that three like that is a level of confidence that okoro is able to execute he's going to make the right decision and we have confidence that he can go out there and knock down that shot and um, I mean, whether or not that shot goes in, I, I think that kind of vote of confidence, the empowerment of Icicle Coral offensively, like that's the type of stuff you want to see that bodes well looking forward that, hey, maybe this evolution can come, which I mean, let's be honest, if Icicle Coral's offensive game comes along, given what he already brings to the table on defensive end of the floor, it's going to get scary with the Cavs. Like, he, just... he
1: doesn't even have to be a a good offensive player. Like that's the thing that's crazy. He just has to be be solid. And and Kelsey, you mentioned like him finding his spots and it's become very clear what his spots are uh, and where he's allowed to attack and be, be, you know, aggressive. It's uh, off of uh, defensive rebounds uh, and pushing in transition. He's really the only Cavs player other than Jetty who plays fast. There's a reason this team is 30th in the league in pace. Um, He is really one of the few people who uh, he is empowered to try to draw fouls in those spots. He's also one of the only Cavs who is making their free throws at a consistent rate right now, if it's not (laughs) Darius or Kevin. Who, by the way, biffed two straight uh, in the fourth quarter. I couldn't believe it. I know! Um, Unbelievable. Right after a Kevalanche, too, right? I know. He, he, He couldn't have been hotter. But back to Isaac. So it's transition it's it's attacking hard closeouts and it's the right corner three I think like 80 percent of his threes now come from the right corner like I remember rookie or Isaac he was kind of taking threes all all around the arc uh mm-hmm. you know some above the break some on the wings some in the left corner you look at that shot chart it's right corner and that's really where he's getting most comfortable and I wonder if that was a kind of a decision the Cavs coaching staff made like hey, we don't really need you to be 40% from everywhere, but if you can be 40% from one spot, we are cooking with gas here, buddy.
0: Yeah, I think they, like, I mean, I, I think, I thought they, like, they looked at it. Yeah, they, you know, they really, it was like, we want you to be in, like, this spot, you know, because you see him kind of, he camps out in that corner. He just sort of, like, waits, you know, and <laughs> and and whether that's, you know, like, for the, you know, for the kickout, for the three, or then if he, like, catches it and then he drives in, but, like, basically kind of just, like, weights there you know and but i'm like but it works you know because he's, he's open a lot of times you know like he's not always doesn't always have um like sometimes the defense isn't always up, right up on him so he is open for that corner three and and then if, you know when he gets the opportunity he, should, he launches it so i think and when it's they close a out
1: hard that is really where he gets to cook you know because yes. he he is a decent playmaker despite not having the strongest handles he sees the floor really Quite well. I mean, uh, Justin, on the last pod, you referenced the play where I where Darius hit him cutting baseline, and then he fed Mobley cutting through the middle for for an easy dunk. He can make those passes. So just having a modicum of the respect from the defense from one spot in on the floor does so much for everyone on the team.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really does. And, and I, I feel like he's getting a better sense of when to cut as well. Like, there's a play where Garland screened for Mobley, and Mobley drove, kicked it to Okoro, who drove and then kicked it to Garland. Like, uh, that's the, the type of evolution that really excites me. And I, I mean, we were talking on the last podcast before these two wins where we felt that the teams kind of, you know, the signs are there that they might be breaking out of the slump, that they might be able to get some wins. And I, I still feel like there is improvement that needs to happen. I, I don't think Garland or LaVert are particularly shooting great, although Darius was a lot better against Denver. Um, but it, it still feels like, hey, the, the, even though they're, they're playing better, there's still another level that they can get to. And we need to see a little bit more of that internal improvement. And one of those guys that seems to have uh, kind of taking a step forward is Jetty Osman after his return to the rotation. And I, I love this analogy. Uh, our, our buddy Billy in the discord said that Jetty is like a, an old clock. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of a reset because the longer it goes without one, the more off it becomes. And I, I thought that that was a real fitting analogy. Can you provide some insight to kind of this, this reset or this message that JB sent to Jetty to kind of reawaken how effective he
0: can be? Yeah, I think so. After actually the game, yeah, the Pistons game yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, JB said like he and he and Jetty had had a conversation, but a lot of it was just kind of the reminder of like what uh, like what Jetty does bring to the team. And like that's where they want him to like to thrive, you know, and so and so sort of just kind of that reminder of like, yes, obviously to play those two games, but like that's it's not like. You still, you're, mean you're a still part of the team, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you still mean a lot to this team. You bring a lot. And then like, you know, to be able to go out and do what he did, you know, with 16 points and, and it was, uh, there was like that, that he had a three, there was that one where he like that, like that, uh,
2: so, oh, like they, they were all crucial baskets. He yeah. had that little yeah. runner in the lane. Like yes. he made a legitimate impact and he's been kind of one of those very uh, X factor variables for the Cavs mm-hmm. all season where, Out of the role guys, I don't think there's anyone else that can get as hot as Jetty Osmond. There's not a lot of the role players that can provide that supplemental playmaking like as good as Lamar's been and Dean's been. Like Jetty or even Dylan, like Jetty is the one that kind of brings that three and D plus playmaking, some version of that. And to to see him come out and and respond this way, I, I thought was super super encouraging.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I, and I think, in, and it seemed the way from how he was talking last night, you know, same thing, like, he felt like it was a solid, like, felt really good about what he was able to give, and just kind of that reminder of, like, okay, yes, in this role, this is what I can give, and and in these, you know, in these minutes, like, this is how I have to play, and so um, I last night was very encouraging, I think, um, I think especially because, you know, that stretch in the Clippers game, like, wasn't, you know, his best stretch, and so, like, I think he played was it like eight or 10 minutes or something? And like, it just, it was kind of, it was a little chaotic. It was, it was a little all over the place. And so for him to like, sort of be able to play very consistently last night, I think was a really good thing of just to bounce back from that and be like, okay, yes, this is what I bring to the team. And this is how I do. So, um, at a more even level. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And you know, Justin and I have talked a lot the last couple of weeks, especially as the team has been down players about how, the Cavs need to find players who can inject some variance into their offense. And, you know, Jetty is like a little too much variance, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like he, he, he is, he runs hotter than just, uh, than just about every other Cavs role player. And he runs colder than just about every other Cavs role player. But like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, in the playoffs and uh, against good teams, you need someone who can go on a little personal seven Oh run. Um, mm-hmm. and and I feel like Jetty provides that. I thought his off ball, um, action was really, really good. Uh, in that game, you know, he got the layup cutting around Kevin love on a dribble handoff. I thought he attacked really well in transition. I just thought he showed kind of why he's, why he's an NBA talent. You know, um, I think sometimes when Jetty's at his worst and you look at a guy like a Dylan Wendler, who is a lot more of a conventional role player in a lot of ways, you know, he doesn't, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, cuts hard, defends hard, you know, and, and and is much steadier. But you kind of really saw Jetty's talent level shine through in those minutes because legitimately he's a very talented wing. It's just the mental stuff that gets in the way sometimes for him.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and it's it is helpful, though, to have other guys that can
2: step up and kind of – be those guys that JB can turn to when he does feel like he needs to send a message, right? Like it's great that Lamar Stevens is able to go out and contribute in the ways that he has. Like my opinion of Stevens is starting to evolve as well, where I've been someone that appreciate him, and it's like, okay, it's nice that we can kind of count on Lamar. Um, anytime you put him into the lineup, he's ready. Uh, he's bringing that energy. He's always engaged on the bench. Like, I love that kind of stuff from a role player. But seeing some of his scoring and ability to take it to the basket, his touch in the mid range, like, there is stuff there that makes me start to wonder, okay. Can we get even more from him? Like, is there an evolution of Lamar Stevens? Can he be a PJ Tucker-like role player where uh, Tucker, I I mean, he got drafted by the Raptors, spent a few years overseas, and it wasn't until he was really 28 years old where he started to develop an outside shot and, and contributing in other ways. Do you think that there's kind of another gear for Lamar Stevens where maybe he can go from being like a ninth, tenth man in a rotation to a more significant contributor?
0: I think so. Um, I think a lot because he kind of reminds me a little bit of Isaac, to be honest, of, because like in the sense of like this, the, the um, focus on the defensive end and that's kind of like really where he, he can thrive. Um, And that's sort of like, you know, kind of takes over, like, you know, the whole junkyard dog mentality, like that, you know, that came from very much from him and, and everything. And like, and that's great. Like they need that defensive aspect of his game. But yeah, I think, I think honestly for him, a lot of it is like, again, finding those spots, finding where he's comfortable out on the floor um, and where he can, he can just contribute um, on the offensive end. And I think it's just kind of finding those opportunities. Um, and I think that's, you know, with, with more minutes, you know, or, you know, consistent consistently, you know, and, and I feel like in this and when he's been in the starting lineup the past couple of games, we've seen that a little bit more um, granted that, you know, it's not the same offensive punch, um, that their n- normal starting lineup has, yeah. you know, not normal, normal, you know what I mean? But like, um, <laughs> there,
1: <laughs> but there
2: is like, no normal with this team. It's unbelievable. No. <laughs> yeah, what, what is the normal starting lineup? <laughs> right, <that's>
0: right. <laughs> you would have, yeah. Back to the first week of the season. Um, yeah. but like, you know, but I think he, over those couple of games, like found ways to really be effective on the offensive end. Um, and I think that was kind of like sort of a, um, like a little bit of a window into like what he can do. And I think that's sort of where to build on for him. Um, but it is kind of definitely an area of growth of just like where his spots are on the floor, um, what can grow and sort of like where, where he can be most effective out on the offensive end.
1: It's funny. Cause you know, I, I, it, it's an obvious comparison. I think we often all probably make with him and Isaac, cause they are similar archetypes, especially in, what they're asked to do you know what's funny is the way they impact the game offensively still is very different though Mm -hmm. um because i think you really see the difference between someone like lamar who is his team's best player in primary option in college Mm -hmm. uh, as a as a four-year guy versus isaac who's really never been the lead ball handler um uh even in college he really wasn't so like with Isaac it's all attacking and transition and and you know and back cuts and Isaac you know he he's kind of a bucket getter he 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 likes isoing you, when you he mean can. Lamar uh, I'm sorry Lamar Jesus I'm an idiot <sighs> no. uh I don't want to talk about it, guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, with Lamar, like he he does like to he does like to to iso with the ball a little bit and attack off the dribble, and he's much more comfortable there. So they are very very different archetypes, even though the role the Cavs asked them to play is the same thing. It's just been really fun to see these guys kind of figure out how to help because it is such an offensive starved team. Oftentimes, I do want to ask about Karis Levert, who was brought in to help relieve the offense. And you look at the box scores again, it doesn't look that good. It's kind of like about as bad. You know, those are, these are not Karis Levert box scores. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the offense has really come unglued when he's been out there and actually helped, kind of helped uh, loosen things up for Darius. What have you seen from Karis in his early run with the team?
0: Yeah, I think it's been hard because, like, yeah, you know, came in to be to be a scorer, to be another playmaker, to help alleviate some of that um, off of Garland. But the injury obviously threw a wrench in that, you know, he played four games before the break and then has this injury. And now, you know, they're trying to make this run down down the stretch of the season and Karis trying to be acclimated into their offense. It's like sort of throwing like, like this is a like a tough situation, but um, I think I've seen it in flashes, you know, like he, I've really noticed like how Karis is like super shifty and how he can like drive in and then he can just like stop on a dive and shoot that jumper. And it like goes it, you know, and he like makes those shots. And it's just like, how the heck did you like stop you your body it's so like fast? like a bad
2: man. S- sometimes yeah. he shakes himself where he slips yes. to the floor even, but yeah, he somehow keeps like, oh. the dribble a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. But like, so I think there's been like, there's been moments where I'm like, okay, that's, that's what they need, you know? And, and, um, but like one of the things I know they've talked about is like, you know, he is like he is the goal was to be a scorer, you know, so he can go get a bucket when necessary. and That's kind of his mindset. Um, but it has been really interesting, I think, to watch him and Darius out on the floor together. And, you know, now like defenses have to make a decision on the two of them. You know, they're, they're, they can't just, you know, just guard Darius. They can't just guard Karras. And now you have two ball handlers out there. They can both, you know find one like find either one another they can find teammates um for like for the next pass or the assist and um it just kind of like creates a different dynamic to their offense that I think honestly a lot of it is just time you know like this is we're sort of doing this on the fly a little bit in game scenarios you know there's not like tons and tons of practice time where they're able to do so Um, and so it's been interesting. I I truly just think if they had like with time, we'll see like what the vision was mm-hmm. um, because I think I've seen it in moments, you know, and like, you know, certain plays.
1: I think that like, it's funny. I'm actually pretty pleased with how Karis is playing. I actually would be more off put if he was trying to still get 18 to 20 shots up every night. Yeah. Um. Because I, what I'm seeing is him kind of respecting, Hey, this is, and, and this is obviously it's a group decision. It's kind of how the coaching staff is, is telling him how to play and all this stuff. But what I'm seeing is him not not just trying to justify, hey, see, I was worth a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more, you know, let me figure out how I'm supposed to get my looks within the flow of this team. Because that's always kind of been the knock on Karras, is like, hey, he plays on his own schedule, and while that's valuable, you know, it's hard to work within a team environment. And I'm seeing him kind of just figure it out. You know, he's not having crazy high-volume nights. So, and- like, to me, like... This almost feels like the Karis Levert floor. Mm-hmm. And the floor is already pretty darn helpful to this offense. Justin, I know you you pulled some numbers before this, and I would never, never steal your valor yeah. on how he's looked <laughs> with the team.
2: Thank you. Thank you for setting me up like Darius Garland <laughs> does so well. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the on-off splits out of the Cavs that have actually played 100 minutes this season, Karis is third uh, behind Darius and Ricky like the the fact that it's going so well without him shooting well and frankly without Garland shooting that well i think is super encouraging because you look at Garland's stats with Lavert and when the two of them play together the offensive rating is 118.8 that's really really good garland's true shooting percentage with lavert is 64% and that's in a stretch where he's really been shouldering a significant load without jared allen like i i think the the fact that he's already contributing and making a difference on the defensive end of the floor and getting that offensive rebound against the nuggets like that's the type of stuff in the gaps that people were always frustrated with Lovert he's not contributing in those other ways and for me that's that's a really really positive sign but i also at the same time understand some of the frustration because it probably does feel like to to people watching that he's still leaving stuff on the table when he's missing these shots or, or missing free throws and and things like that. So it's exciting, but, I, I think time is going to be the cow's biggest enemy coming down the stretch because you got to get LeVert acclimated in a short period of time with not a lot of practices. You're going to have to do the same thing with Jaron Allen, Dean Wade's out, out of the lineup, and, and uh, probably will will return it and need to get some time. Like, there's a lot of guys that and a lot of changes still ahead of them with only like 10, 11 games left of the season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know with like, specifically with Karis, like they've, you know, had conversations about like where he, you know, where he likes the spots on the floor, like, and where, um, where, you know, where you got, like, he likes guys to be and stuff, which is like all part of like when you bring somebody in new, like you have to see, like talk to them about like, where they like the ball on the floor, you know, like that kind of thing. And that's just part of it. But, um, but yeah, I just think like, it's, it's they need the time and they don't necessarily have the time. And so it's kind of battling that, um, that aspect um, and how you sort of, you know, get to where you want to go, but right, yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you. I think so far, what we've seen, it just has has helped, and, you know. But I just think there is more on the table, like you said, for for him to continue contributing on the offensive end. I just think there's more, you know, there's just more from him.
1: Yeah. And again, as I said, if this is the floor, I- I'm like that. That's pretty good because you know that means that we have room to, for him to go up and this team is already starting to feel like they're finding their way. So if we're getting, you know, 15 efficient buckets a night, uh, not buckets, points, that would be a lot of points. Uh, uh, If we're getting 15 and like five, 15 and six on on efficient shooting, then I'm I'm feeling pretty happy, Justin. Well, the other nice thing
2: is when you really look at it, Garland and Levert are pick and roll ball handlers like that is their primary kind of function. And they're doing this right now without the best pick and roll big man that they have in Jared Allen. So I, I think navigating uh, kind of these treacherous waters and, and figuring out how to score without him, like all of this stuff can translate to success down the road. And I, I know everyone looks at the, the numbers that Garland or, or Mobley will put up without Sexton and Ricky or without Jared. But at the end of the day, like you want them to develop these skills. But in a perfect world, you have that nice balance attack that the Cavs had at the start of the season. And it feels like they have personalities that fit really well into that. And I mean, nobody has sacrificed more uh, from kind of the heights that he was currently at than Kevin Love. And Mm -hmm. Kevin continues to be one of my favorite stories this year. I'm just I'm over the moon that. Love has finally found that perfect situation for him late in his career. And it still is in Cleveland. Like the mm-hmm. the fact that he's coming in, contributing in the ways that he does, hitting those shots, hyping up the crowd, jumping on the baseline. Jimmy Longo got the best picture ever of Love jumping up in the air. Yes. Oh, it was like, so good. So good. Like that's the kind of stuff that that just it's it blows me away. Like what what has it been like? being around this team and seeing kind of the rejuvenated Kevin Love and can you speak to the impact that he's had on some of these younger guys
0: yeah so I actually did like a big story on Kevin and just kind of you know his this rejuvenation this year and and just how interesting it has been to see um like how it's come about you know And, and obviously going back to last summer but you just see like uh way that he interacts with the guys and they you know you we hear about it a lot of like chemistry is such a factor and, and they have this chemistry but you truly do see it like it's genuine with them it's not just something that they you know they say that they have and you know it's kind of not necessarily there like it's very real and i think kevin's a really big factor in that of because he's bought into this role he he comes off the bench and he's really effective in his minutes and you know his really big goal this year was to be available and he's only missed He's missed eight games this season when he was out with COVID. That's Kevin, it. Like Kevin playing- Love,
1: the, the pillar of health, just like and we yeah, all expected. Ex- the <laughs> right, one, the right. one person we can count on this season. Oh, <laughs> That's
0: wow. who I thought would be healthy, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, like, but, you know, you just see the practice and, and you know, when we're there, so it's, like, after practice. But, like, you know, he's shooting with Darius and, you know, they're joking around and, you know, and before game, like, before games, um, you know, he has a handshake with both uh, – JJ outlaw and with Darius. And it's just like the way that he interacts with the guys, um, you know, and like, you know, I think it's funny. They all call him like it's either uncle or grandpa, Kevin. And they go back and forth between the two, which I think is Depending just funny. On how
1: disrespectful they want to be.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like how, how old do we want to make you feel in this stretch? Um, and so I think, but like, you know, being able to like joke around and have that, you know, that fun aspect, that nickname kind of thing, like that's, that showcases to me a lot about just the relationships that they have on this team and that they like genuinely like each other a lot. They're friends. They enjoy each other's company and like, you just kind of notice it a lot. Um, And that like translates to how they play, you know, it's, it, you see it on the floor when they're, when they are hyping one another up, the bench is, you know, standing the whole game and you know, they're, they're cheering each other on kind of thing. Like I think it just, you see it translate and, I think he's been a big factor of that, you know, just him, him buying in and, and, and really thriving in the role was like, you know, JB said, like, you know, it allowed him to ask people, other guys like to sacrifice in different ways. And so you have you have this you have everybody sacrificing in some sort of capacity for the success of this team. And like, it's just been really cool to see. So I I've noticed it a lot um, over the season and it's been fun
1: i actually wanted to ask you a little bit about kind of the wider culture um because you know it's been very easy to see that this team really plays with joy um they they really pull for each other um and when they when they've gone on their best stretch of the season they've been very very just pure like radiating joy you know yeah. and that's and you know it's i found that this kind of recent downstretch to be so interesting because if you're a team that Play that wins by playing with joy and you're not winning, how does that kind of affect your culture? How did you see this team kind of fight through that lean stretch where things were not going well um, and still kind of, how did you find that they kind of maintained their larger chemistry they built over the year?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it was like, still like it was the belief that they had in one another. Like, yes, they were struggling, you know, but like, but that belief didn't really waver, you know, again, it wasn't like guys weren't like, you know, there wasn't like, they weren't yelling at each other. You know, it wasn't like it was the kind of the all this all of a sudden they turned on one another. It was like, okay, we're going through this rough stretch. Like how do we do this together? And like, um, you know, with, with conversations they had in the lock, like with each other as a, Whole team, you know, like JB giving the messages about just like like staying, staying the course, and you know, and working through this kind of thing, and um, playing with a sense of urgency. They all, I think, a lot of it is because like they they want, they don't want to disappoint one another, and like I think part of that, like that, really translates to like even in these like when they're struggling, like they want to f- do it together, and like so they don't want to disappoint one another, so they're fighting for one another, and like. I think that was kind of like how they battled that a lot because that has been the mentality the whole year of like, of, of doing it together. And I think, I think it's one of their five words that's in the, um, in the gym, um, is together or something mm. similar to that. Um, I, and, I think it's
2: on the chain as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, so like, so really taking to that mentality of like this, we do this together. Um, win, lose, rough stretch, great run you know kind of thing of like it is we are we are in this together is i think how they battled through it and like yeah obviously it was difficult and like i'm sure there was frustration of like because because they had been playing so well and you're like what the heck like what happened you know but like but being able to really turn back to that turn back to those like their five core values like that sort of helps them through that stretch and not splinter
2: yeah, I, I think it's really the the truest example that we have that there has been a culture shift with this team because, I mean, winning cures everything. And if you're losing, no matter how good your culture is, you're still going to have fractures. You're still going to have issues. But seeing that when they go down 12 uh, against the Detroit Pistons or down 14 against the Nuggets, that there is an infighting starting, that they actually go out there and they, they still fight they compete and, and they come back and and the, just the sheer number of comebacks that they've had this season I think kind of speaks to what you're showing I mean if I fumble over my words one time Carter is messaging me on the side just that doesn't, sound like me. Me. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> sound like me yeah it doesn't sound like me just ripping into me and it's awful. It throws me off my rhythm, but this is a team that, that has so much like the, the vibes are just so good. So it's, it's great to see someone like Kevin Love who, you know, has been open about his struggles and how he deals with frustration on and off the court. like to, to see it all come together and kind of manifest in the way that it has is just, it's so refreshing and it makes you feel like this is the start, start of something that's, really sustainable that's special and unique and and to me that's been one of the things i've appreciated the most because i mean let's face it well a lot of things have been shaky though the world is shaky right now and and to have the calves to (laughs) to fall back on has been uh really really enjoyable
0: definitely yeah i yeah I, i think it's i don't know it's been cool to see this year um i think as well as like this like you said the sustainability like you saw it early on you're like all right is this sustainable and it's they've done so over the course of the year and i think that's been
1: with like, a lot of change over the course right. of that year it's not right. even exactly been like, a lot has it's happened. not been all rainbows and lollipops over here but they've, yeah. they've right. found a way to fight through it all
0: right exactly
1: peaks and valleys and they keep coming up
2: on top well thank you so much kelsey for joining us uh, we really do appreciate we appreciate your coverage as well uh the, the work that you guys do on the beat makes our job a whole lot easier because we get to uh you know add context and, and talk about all the good reporting and you guys do the hard work so uh we, we really really appreciate uh everything that you do and, and your
1: time coming on the podcast here of course three timers club baby welcome
0: hey <laughs> i will i appreciate this a lot it's always fun to to chat count with you guys so and it's cool i've always loved the perspective you guys break so it's been fun to, it's cool to talk about it and, uh, and just kind of bounce off ideas off each other so
2: <laughs> well wow. thank you so much and, and to our listeners make sure you check out mobley monday there's a new one dropping uh kelsey do you want to let the listeners know what's uh, going to be in uh tomorrow a little teaser article yeah yes. okay. I'm get, very get a little blessed. plug
0: in yeah, I'm actually really excited. I think it'll be interesting. I um, I talked to a couple N- NBA coaches around the league in the last two weeks or so um, about uh, what they've seen from Evan over the course of the season. I have a um, couple really good quotes from Dwayne Casey, and I have a really great quote from Nikola Jokic from when they played the Nuggets. Um, so kind of just an outside perspective on Evan and his growth and how he has been this year during his rookie season. So Uh, I think it should be interesting, so I hope people enjoy it.
1: A, Very
2: a perfect exciting. Tie-in. After uh, yeah. after people listen to us talk about Mobley, they can listen to the, the true professionals rant and rave <laughs> uh, about uh, what he's bringing to the table. So, thank you so much, Kelsey. And thanks to all our listeners as well. If you're watching live on YouTube, like and subscribe, and click that notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you guys choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go cats.